the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Over the last couple of programs, we have focused our attention on the fall of Babylon. Who is Babylon or what is Babylon and why it needed to fall? Today, we take a look at the Hallelujah Chorus that comes out of this fall. It does please somebody, as we'll see next. Babylon has fallen, and there is great rejoicing because of it. Hi there, and welcome. This is Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner turns our attention once again to Revelation chapter 19. It's here that we have a threefold hallelujah over Babylon's fall. And really, there is an awful lot to celebrate as we understand just exactly what Babylon really is and why the judgment was so necessary. Join us for the rejoicing over the fall of Babylon. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The Hallelujah Chorus. We come today to the great 19th chapter of Revelation. But before I read the chapter, I want to turn back to the 18th chapter and remind you of what it is about. Remember, it deals with the fall of Babylon, or the fall of the Roman Empire, or the fall of any civilization that is built upon the principle of revolt against God, and that persecutes God's people. Now, there are three times that a particular phrase is used in chapter 18. One is in verses 9 and 10, which says, And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her, will keep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city. For in one hour your judgment has come. Another is in verse 15, verses 15 and 16, which says, The merchants of these things, who became rich from her, will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city. She who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And then verse 19, And they threw dust on their heads, And were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Now, if you would turn to chapter 19, and we'll find that these three sets of hallelujahs to answer the woe, woes in chapter 18. And I'll read chapter 19, verses one through 10. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, 
Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because, he has, because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sits on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all of all you, his bondservants, you who fear him, and the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I was given to her, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, bright, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who, held, who hold these te- this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now before we look at this, what I consider a very exciting chapter, let's go back again to the 18th chapter and notice the two commands that God's people are given who live in a tyrannical, anti-Christian culture that is about to face final judgment at the hands of Christ. We spent a good amount of time last week talking about one of those in verse 4, which says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. Here, Christians are called to separate from evil cultures, not in the sense of a monk or a monastery or in isolation from the rest of culture, withdrawing to some rooftop, but in the sense, as it says here, not participating in her sins so you won't have to be punished with her plagues. That is, Christians are called upon to live different lives, separate lives from the life of the culture in which they live. Then down in verse 20, the other command given to Christians is concerning the great city Babylon, which is falling, though she was wealthy and powerful. But because of her immorality and her tyranny and all the rest, she's suffering under the hand of Christ. And so it says in verse 20, rejoice over her. O heaven and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has promised judgment for you against her. So here the faithful people of God are called upon to rejoice over the fall of Babylon, over the fall of Rome, and over the fall of any civilization that God destroys because of its sensuality. Now this is not some kind of bloodthirstiness. This is not some kind of wicked glee. We don't like to see people suffer. I don't think any of us do. 
We're human beings with emotions, and it grieves us when we see women and children and older people suffer. We even grieve sometimes when we see people who deserve to suffer, suffer. So it's not saying be inhumane or barbaric. This is a holy joy mixed with grief. That we grieve over the fact that the enemies of God and their children have to endure such pain. But we rejoice that God is vindicating himself on the heads of his enemies. And we rejoice that the destruction of the enemies of God means salvation. It means the liberation, the exaltation of his people. So the fall of Rome was as devastating as it was for centuries because... Europe just could not imagine a world without Rome. What God is saying here is as devastating as that will be to the wicked, it is a clearing away. It is God moving obstacles. It is God vindicating himself against those who have sought to live without him and who have ridiculed him. So this rejoicing is not a bloodthirsty glee. It is enjoying the laughter of God. Now, do you understand that illusion? It's from the second Psalms where it says, The kings of the earth take counsel against the Lord, his anointed. And when they try to break free from his moral order because they consider it a restriction upon what they want to do, Then the great verse, verse 4, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. So this rejoicing is a laughing with God at all of the attempts of man to overturn God's moral and social order. Because what they're doing is self-destructive. They themselves will perish when they conspire against God and his anointed. So what we have here in the 18th chapter is a prophecy of the fall of Rome, the destruction of any culture that is built upon rebellion against God. Now there is a two-sided response to this warning of Revelation 18 that we must take very seriously. Number one, one nation, although our nation, although I pray not, could be a Babylon if it doesn't repent. God has sent various kinds of preliminary judgment to us, such as COVID-19, throughout the 20th and 21st century. And instead of repenting, America seems to be moving farther and farther away into the immorality, sensuality, and tyranny, as well as all the rest that comes with it. So what must our response be? It must be a continual calling of our nation to repentance or face judgment. People will certainly make fun of you. People will say you're just a hellfire and damnation type of person. You're just a pessimistic person. But beloved, that is the message. We are to call on our friends to repent on our leaders, our culture, whenever we have the opportunity or face the finality of God's judgment upon us. Then there is a second response. Revelation is true. 
It really did happen. It happened to Babylon in the Old Testament. It happened to Jerusalem in the New Testament. It really did happen to Rome. And it really has happened historically to civilization after civilization throughout history that were once great and powerful and are no longer here. That is not some kind of fantasy. That is not the Lord of the Rings. This is real. It is historical. It is true. Unless America repents, she will experience those things historically like plagues and diseases, pandemics, political distress and disillusionment, collapse of businesses and international trade, the loss of money's purchasing power, failure of the shipping industry, an increase in violence, the death of the arts, the collapse of the economy, the invasion of darkness and all forms of of evil, disruption of marital and festive joy, and an increase of depression. Will these things really happen? If America does not repent, they will really happen. Do you believe that? Yes. Beloved, this is real and it is very serious stuff. I pray they don't happen, but they could. So the second warning I give to you is to prepare for your family's welfare in the future should America refuse to repent. If judgment should come upon America, can you even imagine? For instance, do you know that there is only enough food in the San Jose area in the stores that if there was a trucker's strike, the stores would be empty in two weeks, what is everyone going to do for food? What happens if the economy collapses and welfare checks don't show up? What happens when those people who don't have anything realize you do? I'm not trying to scare any of you. I'm just telling you. If you believe Revelation 18 is really true and historical, then you will want to pray earnestly and call upon your friends to repent. And you'll want to do whatever you can do to prepare what's reasonable. I mean, don't get carried away. Don't be more concerned with survival than with winning the victory. But be ready to do something to prepare for your families. Prepare for their welfare in the future should America refuse to repent. And we need to pray that she will. Now, let's go to what I call the hallelujah chorus of Revelation 19. Revelation 19, particularly the first 10 verses in response to chapter 18, verse 20. Chapter 18, verse 20 says, Rejoice. And that's pretty much, with, pretty much what Revelation 19 is, one hallelujah after another, which means, of course, praise to the Lord. Verse 1 says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. That's emphasized throughout this chapter, that this is not just a chosen few. 
This is a massive number of people singing these hallelujahs that are coming out of this fallen culture. You know, there were over a million Christians in the Roman Empire by the end of the first century. Now think about that for just a moment. There were Christians from Great Britain to Africa to India, possibly even all the way to China by the first half of the first century. So here is a massive number of people. The first hallelujah chorus, hallelujah, or praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to the Lord because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. So the first hallelujah is an outburst of praise resting upon the revelation of God's righteousness and truth in his judgment upon Rome. Time and again throughout the book of Revelation, and not just the book of Revelation, you see these two words come together, faithful and true. Because the word true in the Old Testament, more times than not, does not mean what we think it means. Truthful or in accordance with reality and the facts. The word truth meant in the Old Testament faithfulness. So a true person was a faithful person, like Rahab the harlot. What is she famous for? She's famous for the fact that she lied about the Jewish spies who were in her apartment that had come to try and find out the situation in Jericho to see what needed to be done in order for the Israeli army to attack, and they hid out in Rahab's apartment. And then when the Jericho police came, they said, Rahab, do you have any Israeli soldiers in your apartment? And she flat out said, to the glory of God, no. Now, was that a statement that was true? In Old Testament times, true meant faithful. It did not mean to speak in accordance with the facts. What if she had said to the Jericho police when they asked her, do you have any Israelite spies in your apartment? And she said, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I do. Would she have been true? Would she have been faithful to her covenant brothers? She would not have been And God blessed her for it. In fact, the book of James says that the proof that her faith was real was her deceiving the enemy and being truthful or being faithful. So this first hallelujah is an outburst of praise for God's righteousness and for his truthfulness. That is God's faithfulness. The judgment upon Rome was a righteous act. It was not more than Rome deserved. It was in strict accord with God's perfect justice. And it was a faithful act. How was the destruction of Rome a display of God's faithfulness? Or the destruction of any civilization that has abused God's people? How has it been faithful? It's been righteous because His judgment is always in strict accord with His justice. But how has it been faithful? It has been faithful in the first thing God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 when he set up his covenant with him. 
Among other things, in Genesis 12, God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. So now God is cursing Rome just as he promised. He is blessing his people in the removal of this major obstacle, the removal of their oppressors. But he is also being faithful in that he is cursing those who cursed his people. And throughout the book of Revelation, it is God alone who brings salvation by his power and by his righteousness and for his glory. It says in verse 1, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Not to Caesar, but to God. Salvation, Rome thought it could provide. Anyone who would submit to Rome could experience cultural salvation, they said. But salvation, glory, and power belong to our God because His judgments are always faithful and always righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Then there is a second hallelujah. And that goes down through to verse 4. And a second time they said, hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all of you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. So here is a second hallelujah chorus. Now have you noticed the very significant role that the elders play in the book of Revelation. They are representatives of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the fourth and fifth chapters, the elders are sitting around the throne of God, singing His praises. And now here you have the elders leading this hallelujah chorus. And why are they saying hallelujah? The smoke of Rome rises up forever and ever. And that is not only Rome, but that is any culture that is built on rebellion against God and refuses to repent. Its smoke shall rise and fill the sky forever and ever. And you know, that shows a great perception on the part of these elders. They understood what John had been talking about. It shows great courage for them to say such a thing and about, their, uh, uh, about the power uh, in, light of, of, in light of Rome, because Rome was still in power when this was being said. It says something about their joy in the collapse of Rome. Can you imagine what the Romans thought of this? And what do you see in these elders leading the chorus? We see that elders are to lead the way for the church in its response to a fallen culture. The elders must be perceptive. They must watch as to what's going on in the culture and be able to educate the flock with reference to what is going on in that culture and what the tendencies may be. They must know the Word of God and be able to lead the church in its rejoicing against the fall of the beast. 
Elders are not to be in the background. They are to be in the forefront, leading the way for the church in its response and duties, culturally, socially, and politically. And notice it says, all of God's people from the small to the great, they are all called to live lives of praise to Almighty God. And notice what these Christians are called. They're called bond servants. And actually, that's a nice way of saying it. They are really God's bond slaves. They have been liberated from slavery to sin, and now they enjoy the freedom of being a slave to Almighty God. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.